So my guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is a Bristol Bears and former England under-20s international rugby player. Uh, it's brilliant to have her on. Uh, such a pleasure, such an honour to have her on the podcast, guys. Uh, please welcome to the pod, Holly Cunningham. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, I've done a lot of podcasts with uh, different Bears players and you're just another uh, great addition to have on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, uh, freeing up some of your time as well uh, to come and speak to not only myself, but to the viewers as well. So thank you. That's no problem whatsoever. It's my pleasure. Um, So obviously I want to talk very quickly first about uh, obviously the game that you guys had last week against Harlequins obviously it didn't go your way last week unfortunately mm-hmm. but um, it must have been I guess a very tough game to be involved with obviously Harlequins are second at the moment on the table mm-hmm. um, and I believe they are uh, one of the best defensive teams out there at the moment so what was it like from your perspective and the rest of the girls uh, sort of points of view from it uh, after that loss last week? Well, like you said, Harlequins are a very good defensive side. And when you are sort of building phase and phase and phase, I think potentially one of the main issues we had is that I think we then get frustrated that we weren't really going anywhere. Um, So then I think people, and understandably so, would then try to start doing stuff that that we wouldn't normally would do sort of outside the game plan. Um, as well as, you know, you start off doing this 50-50 passes and stuff. So I think that's how Harlequins broke us down. And when you sort of conceded quite a few tries in concession, in succession even, sorry, then it's quite difficult to keep picking yourself back up and going again. Um, I mean, the last 20 minutes, the girls played admirably and... And it's just so frustrating because if we had played how we did in those last 20 minutes throughout the whole game, then I think it would have been a very different scoreline. But I think it's it's definitely a learning curve. And I think it's something that we can use to our ability to, to you know, to improve on and um, take that into this weekend. I've, I've seen a lot of post-game uh, interviews by uh, Tom, Tom Lindsay, mm-hmm. and he always chats about how how well you guys do every week. And even though you you sometimes are on the losing end of it or the winning side of it, uh, he's so proud of every single one of you guys going out there and, and doing your thing. So um, it must be, you know, such a great group to, uh, to be with first and foremost with the Bears, et cetera. And um, mm-hmm. knowing that obviously you'll be coming up against tough teams in the Prem 15s, uh, but the best thing that you guys can do is just go out there and, and do the best you can and hopefully get a win under your belt each week as it comes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, there are times when, like it, well, like I said, it doesn't go to plan. But um, I think how well us as a team pull together, I think, is a real testament to the characters we have on pitch, but also off field. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're quite a tight bunch. Um, we're very good at sort of having each other's backs, again, not just on field, but also off field. So, no, it's, it's a great group of girls to play with. Um- so how did your sort of journey into rugby begin from an early age? So I started, well, I tried, I tried playing rugby with the boys to begin with. Um, and 
the training sessions were fine, but I only had one before they put me into a game. Mm. And I, I'm a person who very much likes to know what they're doing before they do something. And it just stressed me out. I didn't know. I got a bit of stage fright. I, I had, I think someone from memory, someone passed me the ball and I just stood there not knowing what to do. And I had, of course, all these people running at me. Um, so I just panicked. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I stopped. I stopped for a couple of years and I rejoined back when I was 10 with the girl side. Um, my then PE teacher at my primary school was uh, one of the head coaches. So I thought, OK, like I'll, I'll try it again and just haven't stopped ever since, really. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've stayed pretty local to Bristol um my first club was St Mary's Old Boys and then Cleve RFC and then I've played for Bristol for the last four seasons hmm. that's good that's very good um I mean I- I'm just like you in that respect I always want to know what I am getting hmm. myself into first before I sort of commit to anything if you like because uh, it's always good to know that isn't it you know like in your head um what needs to be done i guess in that respect uh mm. going forward whether that's in a training session or a game or, or whatever it is um so you always want, want to make sure that you're prepared in that respect oh yeah of course and and it's not like i had much context to go off mm. um i've sort of watched my brother play but again that was sort of minis tag rugby and was i paying attention probably not so when obviously I was thrown into that situation I had nothing to rely on mm. I just had my mum screaming at me for me to run and it's quite <laughs> again daunting running into a like a, a line of of children so yeah it just well it's, it's getting me overwhelmed just thinking about it but um yeah I, I must talk about this with you next about obviously your, your time with England uh, under 20s uh, brilliant achievement um, fantastic that you managed to get into that squad and and represent your country and uh, you know be playing alongside uh, the likes of I think it was Ellen Ramsbottom you had Meg Varley mm-hmm. in that squad Lucy uh, Skews as well um, very talented uh, players who are obviously playing for different clubs uh, in the Prem 15s at the moment so I guess in that respect, when you end up playing against these guys at the weekend, you know what is going to be expected. Yeah, I mean, I've um, I've sort of most of the people now that I play against at some point I would have played with. Mm. And sometimes sometimes it doesn't help because you also know what their strengths are and you're like, oh, no, I've got to tackle them. <laughs> um but most of the time when you're actually doing like performing that rugby skill um you don't it doesn't matter who's running at you or who you're trying to clear out um you do it anyway but it's when you're sort of you getting up from a ruck you sort of give them like a bit of a playful shove or you know you, you say a joke with someone or so it is quite nice because where, wherever you go whichever club you go to there's always someone you know there and it's nice it's a nice way to meet up with someone especially obviously during this COVID time when you haven't been able to see people. Obviously, we've been very fortunate to c- continue playing. Um, mm. But it's nice because you get to meet people who, outside of that, you wouldn't necessarily have seen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is nice. Again, it can be a bit of a curse sometimes, but um, it's normally always a blessing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
But I mean, how did how did you sort of know that you got, I guess, selected for England and getting into camp, etc.? How did you know? Um, did you know by text or phone call or email or? So my first twenties camp was when. So th- this was back in 2016, and I'd recently the 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 about three three months before in the trials I had torn my shoulder. Um, so obviously I wasn't, I, I couldn't trial and I wasn't expecting to get in or anything. And at the time I was on holiday with my mum, my brother, um, just, I think, I think we we're in Kent or something like that. And I had a phone call from our then DTDO, um, Kevin Mogridge, who, who rang me and was like, oh, um, there's been a space in, would you like to come into 20s camp? And it would it would have been a two it was a two week camp. Um, it was one of the Tri Nations tournaments, um, and my poor mum, bless her, she had about <laughs> she had about twelve hours to get us home, pack, <laughs> and then drive me up to Loughborough. Yeah. Um, so normally, I think that situation is very different. So that was by phone call, but normally what happens is you get an email, um, which says you've you've been invited into camp. Um, and I think, I think it's normally on a platform called Elite Hub, um, and you'll, you'll get an email and it has a, a team sheet, almost like a team sheet, um, not obviously position specific, but just the list of players who, who have been, um, selected. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really, that's really awesome. I mean, that, that must feel like amazing for any player knowing Mm. that, you there's a going to be a space or, or you know an opening uh, sort of coming up for an opportunity like yourself to get into camp and train with uh you know some of the best young uh talented players from within the country i guess and um it must have been as, as you said it must have been really really awesome to get to that stage and represent your country i mean uh, if i'm correct in saying that i think that was the game you remember you mentioned against uh it, it was actually against uh Loughborough Lightning, I think it was, or Loughborough, Loughborough Park or something like that. Um, and that was against Canada, I, I believe it was. And you guys won that game. I think it was 24-15, if I'm correct in saying that. Run about that. Score. Yeah, so, yeah, something, yeah, something about those lines. I think that was that was last season, I believe. Or not last. Yeah, maybe two seasons ago. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that was that was quite a good game. Uh, the conditions weren't that fun. It's quite windy up at Loughborough's pitch. Um, I think it's just because it's quite an exposed. Um, well, it's just quite an exposed area. But yeah, that was quite a good. That was quite a good game. Canada are always very physical, um, like very good tacklers, uh, very good over the breakdown, and they've got quite a good kicking game as well. Um, so that was that was quite a tough match from memory. But the girls, the girls fair play to them they they really brought it out the bag and when you played with uh england you played under the likes of joe yap who is now with Mm. worcester warriors so um she must have been i guess in respect one of those coaches that has really sort of helped you develop as a player uh getting older i guess in that respect yeah so joe joe's uh obviously not anymore but joe had coached me for quite a long time um in quite in quite a few different uh teams as well uh she was also my university coach down at exeter um so yeah i've had quite a lot of coaching exposure with joe and i can 
hand on heart contribute quite a lot of my sporting success due to her coaching um obviously there have been other people and um quite a few have done their bit which I am grateful for but uh quite a lot of that is due to Jo and I mean she's done absolutely brilliant work with Worcester Warriors like ever since she joined the club um and I believe if I'm correct in saying this she used to be a skills coach before then becoming the director of rugby there so um and I, I believe that her family were part of the club for, I guess, many years before she then joined uh, the club as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, jo, when she was in her playing career, she used to play for Worcester. Um, that was the only club she ever played for. I think she was there for about 10 to 15 years, potentially. Um so I think, and her family are sort of based are based around that area. So I think it's it's a club that's quite close to Joe, mm. um, and I think it's some, a club that she takes a lot of pride in, and that she wants them to, you know, well, she wants them to basically be the best that they can and see them grow. And of course, uh, you'll be playing them uh, tomorrow <laughs> away at theirs. So um, I guess you know after the game you could probably just catch up with her and, and the other girls mm-hmm. as well etc because uh, that, that's the good thing about rugby isn't it catching up with uh friends of yours that you used to play with or play now uh, occasionally so um but yeah i'm sure that you'll be spending time with them at the end of the game just catching up uh, all rugby related things i imagine mm-hmm. or maybe some some other things i don't know but um yeah i mean that's the best thing about rugby isn't it that sort of thing from time to time yeah, that's. I think that's what attracts so many people to the game. Um, I think quite a few, well, I know quite a few of the people that I've played with, past and present, have, you know, started rugby due to the social aspects and then sort of got the rugby bug um, and continue to play ever since. And I think that's a massive factor, is the fact that, yes, you may be enemies on the pitch for 70, 80 minutes, but as soon as you come off, it's all like fun and games and you're catching up with people and having a good gossip about what's going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's a great way to, you know, meet meet people and make lifelong friends. I was watching the, um, the Saracens and Harlequins game, which is today, and I was watching the first half and it was very intense. Uh, very back and forth and uh, as you said you do get a bit of you know people shoving each other over or giving each other a hard time so to speak but uh, I guess that's another good addition about rugby is that it's such a physical and fast demanding uh, sort of sport if you like um, mm. but um, yeah it was a really really physical game uh, that first half but um it's really good with you guys and other clubs, you know, playing against these top clubs and, and sort of setting, a, uh, I guess, an example or a statement out there, meaning that, you know, we we are not going to be taken down easily, so to speak, in that respect. Yeah, it is. And I think, I think you do get teams who suddenly they do turn over the score. And you, and you sort of, when you're looking through the, you're looking through the, like Twitter and you sort of see the, the the Premier 15s, you know, submitting their scores, you do see a game and you're like, oh my gosh, somebody else won. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, a great example of that is when Chiefs beat Saracens and they beat Harlequins next, didn't they? Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's always a, a great to see. Um, obviously, Saracens and Quins 
they they work hard and they are they are good teams um and I think they they do deserve to be where they are but I think it it, it always is nice when an underdog sort of comes up and throws a bit of a spanner in the works yeah um I mean you mentioned extra chiefs there they were on fire I think they won about six or seven games in a row and mm-hmm. then they played Saracens um last week I think or the week before and they they lost that one unfortunately after they uh went into half time I think it was 21 10 to them at half time yeah um and then Saracens turned on the gas and managed to score 21 points unanswered points so um but I mean Exeter being like one of those teams I guess in that respect that has come in for the first time and has played some fantastic rugby they really have um and uh, they've got such a great squad. I mean, they've got a lot of different nationalities in one squad, just like you guys in that respect as well. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say overall is that it's good to sort of have a lot of people from different backgrounds all into one squad together um, and sort of learning off them from time to time as well. Yeah, I think I think that's actually a, a huge like contributing factor to a team's performance. Um especially because you've got people coming from different backgrounds who've had different coaching styles, who've learned different points. Um, you've got different ranges of experiences. And I think that's what eventually does build a winning team. Um, if you sort of look at on our, on our team, um, you've got the likes of Eleanor Snowsill, hugely experienced. You've got obviously Amber Reed, hugely experienced then you've got girls who might not might not have necessarily um been in around rugby for a long time but because they've played you know different sports previously and they've had different experiences suddenly it brings that extra layer so Mm. like simi was an athletics sort of an try again an athletics keen bean yeah she's now taken that power into um into rugby and showing us that you can carry (laughs) fast (laughs) and strong um so yeah I think I think it's great and well nobody nobody wants just a a team of all the same people because when (laughs) that doesn't really work (laughs) so no like it's it's great it's great I have um speaking of Simi and I know she'll be watching this because uh, she, no doubt she'll be saying, oh, yeah, Holly's coming on. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, but um, Simi, uh, I had her on the podcast. Oh, this must have been ages ago now. But uh, great person, great person to chat to, great person to uh, sort of speak to her about her rugby background, et cetera, and, and uh, how she got into the sport, uh, just like yourself. But um, she has seriously got some wheels on her. I can tell you that. Uh, I saw that try she scored. I believe it was against Sale Sharks. Um, and honestly, she was stuck on the wing and she was like, just give me the ball, give me the ball. Um, and eventually got to her and she like raced away. And I think she, she's almost the same speed as a winner. It's just crazy. It's actually not fair. Like, <laughs> For for warm-ups, we'll do sort of, you know, racing to, you know, get to max speed and stuff. And nobody wants to go with Simi. (laughs) It's not fair. You might as well not bother. Um, Yeah, it's it's incredible. She's just just not really human. Like, (laughs) crazy. Like, she's so strong. I think we did testing a while back, and I think she did, like, 150 kilos for three. Like, that's insane. 
and her power is incredible like she's got some she's got some serious speed and the girl works hard as well so when you put all that together it's, it's not that fun tackling her I'm not gonna lie <laughs> Do, do you think, uh, she'd probably say no to this, but do you think uh, she could probably match Jazz Joyce's speed? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think over, I think maybe from maybe like zero to 20 metres, I think they'd be pretty evenly matched. But I think as a distance increase, I think Jazz would then just sneak it away. Um, yeah. But yeah, they... <sighs> It's just, it's just, she's just so fun to watch. <laughs> and then um, you said, like, you watch her, you watch her in a game and you've kind of got, she makes a break and you kind of got the backs thinking, oh, it's fine. Like it's only a prop. But then suddenly like, oh my God, actually I need to get her. And then you see suddenly their head goes down and they're trying to hunt her down. And obviously with it, with the sale example, it didn't work. I was, I'm just trying to think just in my head now about that cartoon character who is like really, really quick. I can't remember his name. But it was Road really, really quick. Yes, Roadrunner. Yes. <laughs> uh, it just yeah. brings to mind, you know, just talking about it. So um, but um yeah, she's she's absolutely brilliant. She must be brilliant to have uh from time to time in, in camp and uh to be training with and playing with, etc. Um, just like everybody else uh, in that respect. Mm -hmm. So um, but you have you guys have got a very talented team. I must say that. It, even though you know, when we look at the scoreboards and we see you guys winning games or losing games uh it doesn't reflect that as a as a as a squad yourselves because you know mm. you guys train so hard during the week leading up to big games like that um and you work so hard for the full you know 75 minutes uh or so or 70 minutes i should say so um it must be overall such a great club to be with yeah and i think that ties in with the point earlier about how we have quite a few people from different backgrounds and I'd, I'd back myself in saying every person at, at our club brings something different and they're all talented in that thing that they bring. And I think at the, I think more well, previous games, sometimes we've struggled to sort of weave it in a way that part pays to our success. But I think when, I mean, I don't think COVID's helped with that because obviously it's almost those small connections that you need to make in order to put that on the pitch. Um, but I think I think sleeping on a team such as ours would be a, quite a detriment to, to others because there are so many talented players within our squad. Yeah. And I, I guess in that respect that obviously when, you know, Kim was a big part of the club, over the last you know few years or so and she brought in such like a load of players a lot of talented youngsters and and experienced players into that squad and uh that's good that's really good because then these young guys can then learn off uh some other guys who've been in the game for such a long time mm. um and obviously now tom and i think amber are now taking that on board going forward um as a as a duo now so um that's that's really good to see isn't it uh two guys who've just been in the game uh especially tom now because obviously tom's now retired but uh i guess amber's sort of playing and coaching i guess in that respect as well yeah i think um she was she, i don't think she's doing as much coaching now i mean obviously on the pitch she always has many a helpful hintful hintful helpful hint 
on mm. how best to do something. Um, but I think at this current moment of time, she's more trying to focus on getting herself fit and well for the Six Nations. Um, yeah. But yeah, she, her and Linda were a massive part of our coaching team for a good sort of six weeks or so um and in regards to Kimbo I think it's really important that she did bring those players in because it's all very well having a very good starting lineup but as soon as you know injuries happen or other commitments occur you need players to sort of seamlessly fill that spot and that's when like you said it's really good to have those experienced players but also players who aren't as experienced or are quite young, but who can learn off those players. Yeah. Because in the transition between sort of NPR bench starting, the gradient isn't isn't steep at all. It's sort mm. of just a nice flow into the game. Yeah, I completely agree with you because I, I've heard a lot of people chatting about that sort of thing from time to time in the past. So um, I guess that's very, very important for any club uh going forward in that respect. So, um, but I mean, there's only, I think there's only three games now with you guys until the end of the season, I believe, or four, roughly. Um, so I guess that sort of message from Amber and, and uh, Tom, of course, is to try to win those games and try to move up a couple of places in the table. Mm. Um, I think so, yeah. I think the, we, we would like to end the season on a high um, and I think a, a massive importance is, again, table positioning and making sure we have those wins. But I think for, I mean, I can only speak for myself, of course, but I think for quite a few people, it, all, it, it also is a win if we leave the season better than how we started yeah. um, as, as individuals, but also as a team. Um, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily translate into wins on game day but if four people can now you know jump and lift and line out 10 times better than they can did than they could do at the start of the season then I personally would take that as a win mm. um so yes I think I think the main goal is to obviously table positioning and wins but I think if you can get players to improve as well then I think that's also a bonus um, when you when the guys are playing uh, Worcester Warriors tomorrow, because I know that you won't be you're not involved with that uh, match day squad because of uh, the injury you got recently. But um, you know Worcester Warriors, I believe, are one place above you or or so like that. Um, so yeah, big game, big game for both clubs tomorrow. Yeah, and I think I think they're only in front of us by a point as yeah. well. So. Yeah, it is, it is a big game tomorrow and I think it will be a real test to see. Not so much, I don't think of, of course, every game is a test of, you know, physical ability and skill level. But I think tomorrow will also be more of a mental battle than anything else. Um, sort of decision making on the pitch, but not as in, oh, do I give that pass or not? In terms of, oh, do I go for points or do we go for a drive here? Mm. Sort of not managing the game rather than necessarily how it's played. Um, but yeah, I'm quite excited to watch it and it's going to be a hell of a clash. 
Um, just uh, if you can mention just to the viewers very quickly about how how the your injury occurred and when when it happened and what happened, etc. Uh, because no doubt people will be saying, right, oh, what's happened with you, Holly? What's going on? <laughs> you know. Uh, but just yeah, just give a, a quick lowdown on what's happened with your injury. So it was about thirty minutes into the first half against Quinns. Um, we had gone to exit from our twenty-two. Um, our nine had got caught in the ruck, so me and Holly Phillips went to pick and go around the corner, so you know that so she could get back up and organise. Mm. And I have a really bad habit of when I'm rocking over, my feet are too wide. Mm. Um, so when I think, yeah, it was Abby Ward. It was quite funny at the time because she only had one shoe on. Mm. Looking back, not the time. Um, and she cleared me out and because my feet was too wide I couldn't then sort of like ride ride it and stay on feet so I get cleared out and as I hit the floor I felt my hamstring pop <laughs> I was like oh it's fine it's okay yeah. um, it'll be all right and got it strapped up and tried to continue on playing um, I think probably about 10 minutes later or so something like that I went to tackle off the bottom of the back of a line. I went to tackle Leanne Riley hmm. and I sort of went for a, a, a sort of a diving chop as um, she's obviously she's quite quick, um, which looking back, I wasn't even that close. So I'm not sure why I attempted it, but here we are. <laughs> and the hamstring was just like, no more. No, thank you. So yeah. he's having a bit of a rest and a bit of a sort out to, you know, get him back to where he should be. And how long will you be on the sidelines for? So it, I think it's sort of a minimum in and around three months, mm. um, which obviously isn't that great. Um, I don't think I'll be here for the DMP game or the Wasps game. Um, but I think, I think I've got quite a, like a positive mindset with it purely because I've been fairly lucky with injuries. Um, I haven't had a serious one since I did my shoulder back in 2016. Yeah. So, and you can always feel it. You've been like, hmm, I haven't been injured for a while. Like you just feel your time coming. And to be fair, I've been very lucky. So it's going to take it on the chin and do what you've got to do to get yourself back fit. And I've had one of those injuries as well. So I completely understand where you're coming from about how long it takes to recover, et cetera, because it just sucks. It really does mm. suck. So, um, but three months, I mean, that's pretty much ruled you out now for the rest of the season. And and um, I guess maybe some of the preseason stuff that might be happening soon after mm. that. I, I don't know what the plans are exactly with that, but um, all the best with the recovery. And I hope that we see you back on on that pitch very, very soon. Um, but um, so we all know you as a second rower, right? But um, I'm sure you've played in other many positions growing up as a youngster before getting to that stage. So um, what other positions have you played in? Oh, it's actually haven't been that many. So I started, <laughs> I started as a fullback. Um, for only about half a season. Mm. Um, turns out I didn't quite understand the pendulum whatsoever. So I never really defence. I'd come up into the line. And of course, the other team would just kick over my head. And I was never fast enough to actually get the ball back. Mm. So I think within about two months, they moved me to second row. And I've sort of been there ever since. Um, yeah. I have 
I have dabbled in sort of back row. Um, I actually made my Bristol debut at eight. Um, but apart from that, I've only ever really alternated between four and five. And to be fair, I'm I'm not I'm not that bothered by it. I quite enjoy the second row. Um, it suits sort of who who how I play quite nicely. So yeah, I don't have any aspirations of you know being a being a winger or anything. I think that's long gone. No, I, I've never played as a fullback, but I must imagine that it's probably one of the most difficult positions out there on the field uh, mm. because you're you literally you probably know this already from your time that you played there before but uh you first of all i think guess the good thing is is that you get to see everything on the pitch compared yeah. to some other players uh playing in different positions but um i guess the the bad thing is that you're sort of that last defender if you like and you see a big you know a six foot three or four player running full pelt at you and you think oh god i've got to I've got to do something here quickly, <laughs> you know. But um, I guess from a back's perspective, and I'm sure Lauren Smith and Kaylee Powell will be watching this, uh, knowing what I'll say next. But <laughs> um, yeah, just overall, just making sure that you're tackling well and, and scanning the field well, and and um, looking for, I guess, their clearance kicks, etc. Um, mm. But half a season. I mean, did you enjoy playing fullback? during that time or, did, um, or was it I quite think, confusing uh, well I think it was quite confusing just for the lack of understanding yeah. but I think I found it quite lonely mm. um like I'm quite a, a sociable player in terms of like talking to people and having those sort of like micro comms like on pitch so when you're sort of stood at the back and you're just sort of watching and waiting and I mean, I think Kaylee and Lauren would be quite annoyed of how I'm describing their position, <laughs> but that was what I was like, you know, when I was sort of there. Um, I didn't, I didn't particularly like it. I just don't think it's it suited me as how I play. Um, not to mention, I've got two left feet, so exiting was never really was never really going to work. <laughs> <laughs> um... But uh, I'm sure everybody will will say this, that you are a very talented second row now and you've been playing there for uh, a good wee while now. So um, they just love to see you out there playing that position every week. So, um, but I guess that's the that's the main position that you love playing in now. So, yeah, that's sort of my bread and butter now. Um, and I think that's ideally where I'd like to hone most of my skills um I mean I wouldn't mind the occasional run out of six but um I think Tom's pretty he's pretty sure that yeah. uh, that uh I go between four and five sometimes I have asked like I don't mind going on the blind side but he's <laughs> <laughs> pushing my luck it's just trying to you know tempt him into maybe getting you to start at six maybe occasionally but um yeah um Overall, I guess you know, second row is your is your as you said, bread and butter. So, um, but um, so why was Bristol Bears then that team to sort of go for out of all the other teams in the Premier Fifteens? Well, I was born in Bristol, uh, so that was quite a massive factor. So I was born and bred in Bristol, um, and at the time, so as I was down in Exeter for uni. Um, 
Exeter Chiefs weren't didn't have a woman's side. Um, so I played my first three seasons at Bristol because there were no other teams closer. Um, but then you sort of you you get to know people, you get to know the coaching style, like the team, and then you 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 sort of you know your place. You're like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I think the fact that Bristol is my home's on my home club obviously I support the men um I think that's a massive contributing factor and I could I could should I want to and it also if they they would have me um I could play for other teams but it would never be with the same commitment that I would have to Bristol yeah absolutely and, and as you said you were born in Bristol so it's it's a it's a no-brainer for you I guess in that respect mm. yeah I mean I think um I mean, I was born in at Southmead Hospital, so in Joe Joyce's kingdom. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so quite I think quite a few of the girls actually are sort of Bristol born. Um, Amber Reed's Bristol born. Ellie Mulhern, Row. Uh, quite a few of the girls are sort of in and around Bristol, which is always good, you know, to have sort of a home. Obviously, again needing the different backgrounds of course but it's all it's always nice to have like a homegrown player um you know representing the representing the bears uh, well that's exactly what i was going to say next it's very important that you have home-based players growing into that team and and um hopefully playing them for with them sorry for many years to come so um but uh so i i guess from an early age when you first started getting into rugby, um, at what point did you say to yourself, you know, I want to be playing at Premier 15s level? Um, I think quite early on, uh, I was mm. always quite ambitious and, you know, on, like always wanted to make myself better. Um, I was never, and I'm still not satisfied with a performance or you know uh, how I've executed something so I think it was always sort of in the plan to you know play for as high as I could do um and I think that that's been a major a major factor in you know wanting to play for Bristol wanting to play for 20s um so so yeah I think just mainly just wanting to be the best rugby player I can be and in order for me to do that playing at Bristol was a was a necessity hmm. and um am I correct in saying that you're only 21 at the moment yeah as well so I mean you've still got so many years ahead of you um so no doubt you know anything could happen during that that stage you know um but I guess the important thing for you is making sure you get obviously when you get back after your injury is getting as much game time as possible and getting as many starts as you can um and um uh you know getting better and better as a player going forward yeah and that's and that's what you know deep down I think I I really want to achieve so by the time I hang up my boots I want to be able to turn around and say you know what even if I didn't play for England senior or even if I only started for Bristol for two seasons, 
I'd, I'd like to turn around and say, you know what, but I put my all into it and I came out the best player I could have been. And I think that's that's what's sort of driving my ambition at the moment is so when I look back, I can be like, yeah, I put in everything I could. Absolutely, yeah. I completely back you, I back you up on that because, I mean, I've had a lot of players on and coaches on here who, well, I guess more players than coaches recently, but they all say that, as you said, getting as much game time and by the time they hang up their boots they want to uh have a very a very good career when they finish so um so that's very important uh for all the players out there so um but uh we mentioned tom we mentioned uh kim as well and obviously um uh, a bit about amber as well uh but from an early age when you got into rugby for the first time and you're playing for your first club etc who were some of those coaches that really sort of helped you achieve that next target in your rugby career? Um, well, my, my first set of coaches, I can I can wholeheartedly say did that. Um, so at the time, I was they didn't have an under-13s team, so I was still too young to play. So I trained for my first two years, and I only ever trained. Um, so those coaches sort of, effectively built the foundation blocks to my success um so they show me obviously the basic skills um but also how to have fun so yes of course it's really important that you work hard but if you don't enjoy what you do you'll never put your whole heart into it so Mm. I think those those coaches definitely showed me on how to how to work hard but how to incorporate fun and making sure you enjoy it at the same time. Um, so yeah, they were they were really sort of influential. Um, and yeah, I can't can't thank them enough really. Because that's what you want as a as a sort of, I guess, newbie coming into the sport for the first time and trying it out and giving it a go, etc. You want to be looking up to these guys who've been in the game for such a long time and, and getting advice from them uh about you know how to obviously of course play the game and and you know then try to compete at the highest level um Mm -hmm. after that so um and you know club coaches like that are are doing such a great job with uh young players so um yeah must have been really really awesome having those guys on board at the time yeah they were they were great um and they built such a good culture um where it was yes yes you do need to make sure you switch on but it's also okay to make mistakes as long as we learn from them Mm. um because there's there's not many environments worse than one where you're too afraid to try something in fear of getting you know outed in analysis or shouted at pitch sides because then you'll never try anything and you it's very difficult to then win games or to perform if you're constantly like, oh, should I, should I do that? You know, sort of second guessing yourself. Um, so yeah, both sort of any, all of my age group coaches massively helped me to, to understand the line between mucking around and now nah, that's too much fun, but also being too serious and playing yes to a good level, but never enjoying it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I got as an early teenager myself as well. Um, 
getting those sorts of tips and advice from coaches who've been in the game for no joke about 20 or 30 years, maybe even longer than that. So, um, but yeah, that's such a crucial part of any player's journey uh, going beyond and above, so to speak as well. So, um, uh, so a big shout out to them if they are listening or, or watching this. Uh, but um, we, we mentioned it before, I guess a little bit earlier, but um, you studied at uh, Exeter University um, as a graduate as well. Um, what were you studying at university? So I took sport and exercise science. Nice. Um, yeah, with the occasional French module on the side <laughs> for a little bit of change. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that the one thing that you wanted to do then ever since you started uh, university? That's, that was the one thing that you wanted to achieve during your time with university, that um, one course? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, well, I sort of left, I left college and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I enjoyed sport, um, but there wasn't anything that I was really like, yes, this is what I want to work towards. And sports science is quite a broad subject. You can go into so many different avenues, sort of analysis, S&C, um, like managing. Oh, I was trying to think back now. I haven't been to uni so long. Oh. <laughs> um, psychology. So yeah so that that's my reasoning behind uh behind doing that course um just because it opens up so many avenues um and of course and of course some of the content which you know has to be sports specific as an as an athlete I can relate to which sort of made me understand the content so much easier and and how long do these courses usually last for so mine was a three-year uh -huh. three degree. Um, I've got the student loan to prove it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's always quite good, I, I guess, in that respect. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I mean, sports science, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot that just from people who've done it before in the past, that it is quite tough, especially when it's a three-year uh, course or a period. Yeah, it is. It is quite a tough course I mean sports science it does sound a bit wishy-washy so I'll be like okay just a little bit of running and you know oh yes this will make your lungs really good but um, <laughs> when you actually have to take it it's quite a, a complicated and it's very scientific course um, like there was no practical elements whatsoever in my course so all of it was either in the lab you know with like a V2 max machine or taking blood lactate and it sort of ranged from there to sort of using psychological theories to understand how athletes perform under pressure and techniques in order to improve that. So, yeah, it was quite a tough course. Yeah. Quite a tough course. Um, I've never done it myself, but uh, I must imagine it was uh, pretty difficult, but um, I guess enjoyable as well. Mm. So Yeah, as... Well, like I said, as obviously I can relate to the course, but you can also use the course to help you as an athlete. Yeah. So it, 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 to be fair, it didn't happen often, but um, sometimes you your lecturer would say something like a little gem. You'd be like, oh, I can use that in rugby. That makes sense now. Or even like your S&C, your S&C will give you something You're like, I know why they're doing that. And it just, it almost helps the buy-in to what you do with rugby um 
and yeah so yeah I think my rugby and the course complemented each other quite well absolutely um now I'm sure we mentioned this at the start of the podcast but um I'm just going to say it again because I, I probably didn't ask you earlier but I mean what was your favorite memory or game in an England jersey Oh my good gracious. Um, <laughs> I'll put you on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously your first cap is always a very important one. Yeah. Um, and there's a tradition where once you've played your first cap, you have to do your first cap song. And obviously that's always quite terrifying, especially when you can't sing. Yeah. So <laughs> I like to apologize to everyone who heard. Um, <laughs> but I say I think my favorite game would be when we played France away in 2018 and we beat them, which mm. I don't think we've done for about eight, nine years, um, let alone it being away. And that was quite that was with a quite a good group um, of players. Quite a few now have, you know, received England representation, sort of senior. Um, and yeah, that was that was always a great game. The home leg wasn't too fun. Mm. It was a very cold, snowy, windy, <laughs> uphill pitch. Yeah. Um, Just the usual so, weather you would have in the UK. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And um, that one, that game didn't go our way, but the um, no, the away leg was awesome. Yeah, because I mean. We've had terrible weather up here in Scotland. I mean, it's just been absolutely dreadful. We've had sunshine, we've had rain, we've had hail, we've had God knows what over the last 24-hour period. But um, you guys have had some decent weather, I, I guess, down there from the, from the looks of it. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad. There's been a, At the start of the season, it was pretty abysmal. Uh, it was mm. a lot of rain. Um, we did have a few windy games when Clara Blesso the poor ball was just getting taken in the line out and there's nothing she could do about it um and the ref wasn't being too kind to her but um yeah we've had a few windy games but apart from that most of our games have been pretty dry um and I think it's supposed to be fairly decent weather tomorrow for Worcester um but yeah yeah, the, the weather's been the weather's been all right. Um, can always do with it slightly sunnier, but <laughs> which British person does not complain about the weather? <laughs> well, hopefully in the next uh, you know week or two weeks we will have you know fifteen degrees or or so weather each day um, mm. because it is getting up to that stage very soon. So um, and uh, you guys will be playing, or the or your guys and your team will be playing. Um, out there on the pitch uh, in glorious, glorious conditions uh, and um, not really, really bad or worse conditions that you mm. usually get, you know, over the last, I think, month or two months or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the plan. And also, we don't want it too hot because obviously a forward to life in the heat is not nice. <laughs> you know, trying to put your head in between people's legs in the scrum and it's all sweaty and you're <laughs> overheating as it is. It's just not yeah. cute. But um a good, a good, maybe a cold day, a mm. cold but crisp, you know, sun's out, perfect conditions. Absolutely. Can't go wrong with that. Um, so we've got a couple of questions left before we go into some quick fire questions at the end, which is also always really fun to do. Uh, but um, my first or second last questions, I should say, is who have been 
some of the toughest players that you've played with or against so far in your career? Played with or against. Okay. Um, Katie Daly McLean. Mm. When we've played against her, when she played for Loughborough and of course Sale, I don't know how, but at least once a match, I find myself when they're pretty close to the line, I always find myself I'm in front of her defensively. Mm. And she looks at me, she smiles, <laughs> and she knows she's got a mismatch. So she calls the ball out wide and she I'm pretty sure it's happened about three or four times now. She stepped me so hard I've fallen over and scored. <laughs> and it's just it's just a hard one to get up and walk away from because yeah. you're like you focus so much like, okay, stay on her inside, stay on her inside, stay square. <laughs> and nothing. She just steps so well that your ankles are just in dust. <laughs> and it's it's horrible. But um yeah, she's a really tough player against so experienced, you know, has such a wide range of ability, like a running game, kicking game, distribution. Yeah, she's very it's very hard to defend. Oh, awful. Um the other someone that I've played with, um well. Row Row Marston, very good ball carrier, very good tackler, um, very good jackler. Mm. Uh, she's very good to play with. She's very reliable, very consistent, um, and she's also someone who she's she doesn't often say much, but she's very observant. So when there have been times when it's looking a bit bleak, she will say that thing. She's like, right, girls, we need to do this now. And it just it just almost like sparks, sparks something in people. Um, and I think she's she's very honest as well, which I think can never be undervalued. You know, as as a player, you don't want people sugarcoating things for you. You don't want being like, well, that was all right. No, tell me that was rubbish and then tell me how I can improve. Because ultimately that will help my game, but also the rest of the team. Um, and that's what I really value and admire about Roe is her brutal honesty. Sometimes it does make me cry, but I'm a better player for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've seen Roe carry uh, with the ball during these live streams and she is a force, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so and as you said uh she's um a brilliant defender as well so um and she's so like tall and big for the position that she she plays it um and i guess that's what you need from a number eight from a coach's perspective is a big ball carrier like herself uh mm -hmm. doing that from week to week so um yeah i completely agree with you on that <laughs> so, <laughs> but um yeah, Katie David McLean as well. Uh, fantastic player. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, but uh, I think she's like the mo second most capped women's player, I think, for England in history. I think she's got like over 100 caps or something. I think she's got over 100 caps. I'm not sure where that stands because I know, I think it's probably a three-weight one. I know Rocky's the most, but yeah. I think it's between her and Tamara Taylor of how many caps they have. Um, but yeah, she's got so much experience and she will use that and exploit you. 
<laughs> it's awful. <laughs> and I, I guess it's it's so special for any player reaching 100 caps. I mean, that's just insane. It really is. Um, but uh, yeah, two very good um, uh, players there. So, um, and uh, my last question was, uh, who really was your like main inspiration growing up as a youngster? It's got to be your parents, hands down, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, my parents have always been very supportive and, you know, sort of, they've driven, they've driven me to games, you know, the hours that they stood on the side of, a, you know, a frozen pitch, you know, they've picked me up and I've damaged their car because my kit is just so disgusting. Like my parents have really, you know, gone above and beyond to support my career um I don't think I could ever really thank them enough um I like to think I've done them proud <laughs> but um I think <laughs> I think they do sometimes again hit me with that brutal honesty and um if they watch a live stream they'll be like why have you done that and I'll be like I don't know I just did. <laughs> so um yeah, yeah. No, they are they are very two amazing humans and well I can credit a half of me to each of them for that and, you know, I, I speak for them as well. I, I mean, I'm sure you've done them, you know, very proud over your career so far and and uh, going forward as well, because you've got so many years ahead of you. And, and uh, you know, as I said, as I mentioned before, anything can happen uh, during that process of, you know, when, from right now until the time you hang up the boots. So um, and I think in that respect, I think your parents probably don't want to see you hang up the boots until you're about maybe 38 or so. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, they are very proud of you. I must imagine. Um, so. Yeah, my um, my family have always been quite a good like support system. Um, I'm not sure if I could keep going till I'm 38. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I think the old neck would probably pack up by then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, no, all of my family are, are very supportive, and they all try and watch my games. Um, bless them. They all sort of. I always know if a game's being live streamed, I've got that in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, mum and dad's watching, family are watching. <laughs> so even that that helps sometimes when there's been times when I've taken a knock in a game and I know my family are watching. I'm like, okay, I can't stress them out. Oh, you're fine. Get up, walk it off, walk it <laughs> off. Because um, I know as soon as that game finishes, I'm going to get a phone call saying, why did you go down? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so... Yeah, it's a big incentive to maybe that's what's kept me going all these years, you know. <laughs> Just like uh, any parent would do in that scenario, when they see their their child playing or their kid playing, etc., they would just think, right, why did you go down so easily? Why did you do this? Why did you do? That? Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, I guess it's just obviously you know if you if you've gotten down just getting back up again and carrying on and and uh doing the best you can and, and finishing after 70 odd minutes of intense rugby so to speak so but um yeah uh i must imagine they're very proud of of how you've got into the prim 15s and, and playing for bristol etc so um no doubt they will be happy and and uh excited as well in that respect so um but uh yeah um Anyway, we've got some quick fire questions here to finish off with. Um, always good fun. Um, and we can get to know you a little bit more with these questions. Um, I'm sure the viewers will be dying to know your answers on these. But, <laughs> but um, 
here we go. Yeah, the first one is, do you have any nicknames? Yes. So <laughs> when when I was um, playing underage group rugby, I used to have a yellow scrum hat and my dad calls me Bean because of my hair. I used to look like Beano. Um, <laughs> and so the nickname, and he accidentally used it in front of my coaches. So of course it stuck. So I was no. always, <laughs> wasn't that cute. Um, it was yeah. great. But apart from that, most of it, it's just whole uh, holes, uh, occasional holly bobs. Sometimes it's also weirdo, but there we are. <laughs> well, I can see where your dad's coming from in that respect. That's <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah. Um, what is your favourite movie? Favourite movie is called The Fundamentals of Caring. Um, it's got oh, I, it's really bad I don't know his name but for anyone who's ever watched Tracy Beaker it's the person called it's the kid called Rio when he talks about who's got my CD oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know his name but it's if he plays the um, the main character yeah I, I can't think of his name but it's a great film um, and it's very funny I'm trying to picture uh, what he looks like and what his name is, etc. Because I used to watch Tracy Beaker growing up as well. But that was about 10 years ago or 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Maybe longer than that. <laughs> but um, no doubt some of the viewers might know that. But um, uh, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, I don't even know myself. I mean, that's just poor of me. But uh, hey um, Do you have any fears or phobias? I don't really like the unknown so I don't I'm not I'm not scared of anything sort of tangible so spiders don't worry me like snakes heights but it's the unknown so hmm. if someone gave me a box and was like something's in here and it could hurt you but also could like make you really happy I'd be like oh <laughs> I'll just answers you can have it back <laughs> yeah just have it back yeah <laughs> um what is your favourite ground to play at? Okay, apart from the obvious of being Dings, wait, wrong side, Dings and um, <laughs> Ashton Gates. Yeah. My favourite ground, well, I have been fairly lucky and I've been able to play at Twickenham. That was that was lovely. Um, Favourite ground? Probably, I do quite like playing. Quince have quite a nice grounds. Very nice grass. Mm. Not too sort of hard or, yeah. So Stoop's quite nice. Yeah. Um, now, this might cause con controversy. You never know. But um, what is your favourite topping to have on a pizza? I'm just a margarita girl. Just love the margarita. Can't um, go wrong with a margarita. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the occasional peppers and onions, mm. but um, no, margarita. I, I just have pepperoni on mine. That's all I have. So cheese, though, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that would just be the end of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, cheese, pepperoni. Um, can't go wrong with that. Uh, so I, but I have a lot of friends that have like to have a lot of things on pizzas yeah and I think sometimes if you have I feel like if you have too many pe oh, too many pizzas that's not never an issue <laughs> but if you have too many toppings 
Yeah. I feel like the pizza can't cook and it gets very like soggy because it's mm. just too dense. Um, but yeah, margarita can't go wrong with that. So um, now, tea or coffee? Tea, but I Ooh. do prefer chocolate. Not really a massive hot beverage drinker unless it is a hot chocolate. So how how often do you have tea then each day? I'd probably go to say I have about one tea a fortnight. So. Bad. Yeah. Well, what about hot chocolates? I mean, you must have one like every night. No. No. (laughs) Again, I just, I just don't really drink hot drinks. Yeah. Um, But I'd probably say I have a hot chocolate probably maybe twice a week. Fair play. Fair play. Um, Now, which superpower would you most likely want to have? (sighs) I'd like to be able to meet read mine. Yeah, read minds read minds but i like to be able to switch it on and off because you know you've seen the films where everyone's like overwhelmed because there's so many voices yeah. i'd much rather be able to choose when i can use it that'd be fun i'm just picturing it now you reading tom and amber's minds thinking what's going to be involved in the next training session <laughs> will i have contact or fitness yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be, yeah that would be a brilliant power to have. And I must uh, respect that. Um, I don't think that has actually ever been an answer to that sort of question that I've usually asked people on the pod before, reading minds. I feel like most people would say that'd be really strong or fly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Mine's overrated. Just get on a plane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, who is your favourite sports person outside of rugby? Well, I do watch quite a bit of athletics. Um, so I quite like Dina Asher-Smith. Um, I quite like Neve Emerson, who's a heptathlete. Uh, Katrina Johnson-Thompson. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Jessica Ennis-Hill. Oh, amazing woman. Yeah. Um, trying to think of anybody else who I know. As you can tell, quite a lot of my life is rugby. So when there's a question outside it, I'm like, there's no, there's no outside of rugby? What? <laughs> well, within rugby. Let's go within rugby next. Okay, within rugby. My favourite athlete within rugby. I quite like Joe Joyce, just because he's so Bristolian. Yeah. Um, just out of 10 for Bristolness. And of course, Amber Reid great human hmm. um yeah i'd probably say those two awesome um what is your guilty pleasure my guilty pleasure <sighs> not knowing when to i'm not sure if this class is a guilty pleasure but not knowing when to put a book down so there's times when i'm i'm reading and sort of I look at the clock and it'll be like sort of getting like 10 half 10 and I'm like oh no a couple of a couple of more pages and suddenly I look at the clock and it's been like half one I'll be like oh <laughs> oh I'm gonna go to bed yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's great um but it's just you just lose time you just lose time yeah I back you up on that um and the last one is 
What yeah. is your favorite phone app? My favorite phone app. Oh my good gracious. Um, I do quite like Twitter. Um, I like how there are still like there's there's elements of sort of um, elements of seriousness and then elements of joking and you can sort of dip out between the two. Um, so yeah, I'd probably have to say Twitter. Nice, very nice. Um... I'm pretty sure I'm following you on there. So, um, because I, I've, uh, I haven't used Twitter quite a lot. Um, Instagram's my been my favorite. I think that, mm. or probably Facebook or something like that. Just to keep it simple. But I guess Twitter in that respect. I mean, some people like Twitter. Some people don't like Twitter. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, awesome. Um, right, Holly. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on and uh, speaking with us about your rugby career so far and uh, I'm sure over the next five or, or ten years it, uh, things are going to be going well not just with yourself but with the rest of the squad as well and the coaches etc um, so very very best of luck with that um, obviously you won't be playing against uh, Worcester Warriors tomorrow but um, you know very best of luck to all the girls that might be watching this or listening to this uh, and um, I know it's going to be a good game uh, overall. Uh, but um, as far as today goes, Holly, I really appreciate your time. I know we tried to schedule this earlier in the week uh, before, but um, I'm really, really happy now that it's uh, it's been done and dusted now, so to speak, uh, and finalised uh, today. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me on and taking time out of your weekend. Not a now problem. You can relax and chill out now. <laughs> Take me off. <laughs> Have a lie down. That that's the plan after this. So, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, thank you so much, and I would I would love to have you back on here again um, in the not too uh, far future, uh, I would guess. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you again. Okay, thank you for having me.